So, you slept in. Hey, we're not judging. Sometimes you just need to get a little more sleep. And if you do need to snooze, we'd much rather you did that at home than in our pews. You can always catch up with a sermon later, right here on the Sunday Morning Sleep In podcast. You'll still miss out on some things we think are really important and fun, like intergenerational community and support and encouragement, some good music, and adorable children selling you uh, Girl Scout cookies. Tis the season. Oh yeah, tis the season. (laughs) Well, we won't be able to give you any Girl Scout cookies or any of those other special treats we have after church, but we'll give you what we can. I'm Chris Marshall. And I'm Susan Foster. And we're United Methodist Pastors in Reno, Nevada. We're not theological experts or homiletical harbingers of a new age. We are your average pastors, helping our congregations think through life's big questions every week. We started this podcast so if you're away from home, or working, or have to shovel snow, or maybe just sleeping in, you can keep up with some of the ideas floating around the church. Each episode is a conversational version of a sermon we gave on Sunday. So, whatever day it is when you're listening to this, we invite you to settle in with a cup of coffee, or perhaps stick whichever of the Apple AirPods you haven't lost yet into your ear holes and receive this with an open mind and an open heart. A quick note, we actually expect you to think. We're we're talking out what we think, and we actually invite you to be in conversation with us, whether it's just yelling at your electronic device or whether you send us an email. But we want you to be thinking about who you are and what you think. But the most important thing we hope you get out of this is that you experience God moving in your life as you consider this. So Susan, Mm -hmm. we continue our, what was the word we used last week? Our slog. Yes, the slog. Or how about our, our chipper march? A chipper march. A chipper march. Through okay. the Sermon on the Mount. Okay. We started chapter seven. We will be in chapter seven until Palm Sunday. Oh my goodness. So six more weeks of winter uh, here in <laughs> Reno. It definitely uh, feels like it. Yeah, we woke up this morning to... Uh, six inches. How much snow did you end up with here? I had about three or four inches of snow. Yeah, I had like six. Uh, which is rare. Usually the snow misses Sundays and it's much easier to get to church. But uh, this week... We this woke year. up to some snow, and so it was a kind of a, a, a small Sunday at church. So if you missed church this mm-hmm. morning, uh, you know, I expect you're listening to the podcast yes. this week. Yes. We're going to have great stats on SoundCloud. I hope so. So we started with this chapter 7, and we'll read that scripture a little bit later. But first, I want to tell you a story about a man and a horse. A man and a horse? A man okay. and a horse. I'm okay. ready. I'm ready for the story about a man and a horse. All right. So there's this dude. Mm-hmm. And he has a horse. Okay. And it's the most beautiful horse in the world. Aww. He's he's like the original brony. He's got this really beautiful, <laughs> beautiful horse. <laughs> this really beautiful horse. And everybody wants this beautiful horse. People come from miles and miles around to try and buy this horse from him. And he will not sell the horse. Because okay. like many of us who are very attached to our pets. They are no longer animals. They are members of the family, and you simply do not sell members of the family, of the family unless you're biblical. Right. And then and sometimes... I'm glad, I'm glad we're past that. Sometimes that happens. Sorry, Joseph. So, uh, so the man won't sell his horse. And one day, he wakes up, and the horse is gone. And the people from the village came, and they said, Dude, we told you. Everybody wanted the horse. You should have sold the horse. You would have made a ton of money, and now somebody's just stolen it because you wouldn't sell it to them, and it's your own fault. And the guy says, wait, what we know is that the stable is empty. Everything else is speculation. Okay. Right? Yeah, true. So that's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. But, I mean, it's a reasonable speculation reasonable that somebody stole the horse. Yeah. So two weeks later, the horse comes back. And oh. it turns out the horse had just gotten out on its own. And the had horse an comes adventure? Back. 
and had an adventure in the hills of Nevada where it found some more wild horses and brought them back with it. Oh. And so all of a sudden the man doesn't have one beautiful horse. He has 25 beautiful horses. Uh-oh. Because the horse brought all of his friends. <laughs> well, then the people in the village said, you're absolutely right. We shouldn't have judged. That wasn't a bad thing at all. It was a great thing because now you have 25 beautiful horses. <laughs> and the man says, the fact is my horse returned and brought more horses with it. We don't Everything know. else is judgment and speculation. Well, so on and on the story goes. And eventually what happens is his son is trying to break one of the wild horses and breaks both of his legs and repeat the village's reaction. Oh, you were right. This is a terrible thing. You know, we thought 25 horses was great, but now you've, you know, your son can't walk and that's really bad. And the guy says, now, hang on. What we know is my son broke his legs. Everything else is speculation. Well, the next week, the country goes to war and they call up the draft. And it's a war that nobody expects to win. And so mm. all of the young men, all everybody else's sons have to go to war. They're all drafted. But this man's son is exempted because he's broken both his legs. And they say, you're right. It was such a blessing. And he <laughs> says, now, hang on. What we know is, is my son broke both of his legs. legs, but everything else is speculation and judgment. And so I think that the point of the story, and you could go on and on forever, right? Right, right. This is one of those like a uh, hundred bottles of beer on the wall kind of totally. stories. Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that sometimes we don't always know how things are going to turn out. Well, like most of the time, we don't know how things are going to turn out. Right. And so it it doesn't make a lot of sense for us to immediately assign value judgments to everything or to everyone because we don't know the whole story. The story is still going. The story isn't over yet. And so the scripture this morning is about not judging. Mm. But... There are some sinkholes here that we could fall into that I think we need to be aware of. So Okay. We're going to try not to fall into these sinkholes. I'm going to point out the ones I see. I'll probably fall into the ones I don't see. So you should definitely point out the ones that you see. If I see any other sinkholes, okay, I'll let you know. Yeah. Or you listeners at home, send us an email. Okay. So chapter seven. Uh, This is from the Common English Bible because I forgot my message today. Don't judge so that you won't be judged. You'll receive the same judgment you give. Whatever you deal out will be dealt out to you. Why do you see the splinter that's in your brother's or sister's eye, but don't notice the log in your own eye? How can you say to your brother or sister, let me take this splinter out of your eye when there's a log in your eye? You deceive yourself. First take the log out of your eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother or sister's eye. So the log plank story. Yes. In the message, I like the translation in the message. It says, you know, you're noticing the smudge on somebody else's face and ignoring the ugly sneer on your own. Uh, But it's sort of about thinking that you know better than somebody else, Mm -hmm. particularly about their own business, when perhaps you're blinded by something. Of your own business. Yeah. You don't know the whole story. Uh, This has never been truer than on uh, some competition shows. Mm. Do you remember a few years ago, the Susan Boyle story? Yes. All right. So what was the Susan Boyle story? So here's this wonderful lady who's older, who has this amazing voice. That's what I remember. That was the story. So so what happened was it was the number one watched video on YouTube that she walks on stage and she's kind of a plain looking lady. She doesn't, she looks sort of like your third grade teacher. She doesn't look like anything spectacular. And she's on Britain's Got Talent. Right. Simon Cowell is a judge and some other people I don't know. And she walks out on stage and everybody in the audience, kind of in a mean elementary school way, all start elbowing each other and laughing. Like, this is going to be a huge flop. Let's watch it. Right, right. And As then these she, shows are ten, tend to have, right? Yeah. Like, there's sort of this mean... Mean streak. Mean streak to them. And so she starts singing and she has this 
amazing studio quality voice. And she sings, I dreamed a dream from Les Mis mm-hmm. and everybody's in tears. And she's known from then on as the woman who silenced Simon Cowell. <laughs> right. Which is quite an accomplishment. Oh, I'm very proud of her for that. Yes. Oh, but that's not the whole story. No, it's not. So she's now recorded four full studio albums, but before that she'd been trying to record for years and years. Mm. And she'd gone through a bunch of personal losses. And every time she'd gone through a personal loss, she's, she'd been tempted to stop singing. Mm. And her number one fan was her mom. Uh. And her mom cheered her on and said, Susan, you need to record. You need to perform at these talent shows. You need to perform in these talent competitions. And she would, kind of for her mom's sake, mm-hmm. you know, show up and do these things. Right. Um, and it never went anywhere. And so she'd had her hopes dashed so many times. So many times. That when her mom passed away. She thought, why bother? She thought, I will never sing again. Mm. And then her old vocal coach called her and said, there's this new television show. It's called Britain's Got Talent. I think you should try out. And so she goes into this competition thinking, this is the last time I will sing. Mm. And I'm going to do this to honor my mom. And then I'm going to call it good. Yeah. And that's when everything happened for her. And so it's like, you don't know the whole story. Everybody's just like, oh yeah, this plain looking woman has a great voice. But you don't see the years and years and years of hard work and pain Right. That have gone into her story. Well, and it's it's very similar, you know, oftentimes you hear, oh, the, somebody has like s- sort of a a role, like a movie star, like a, like an unknown, right? Mm-hmm. Gets gets cast in this year's Oscar winner and they're 40 and they get this role and they like knock it out of the park and everybody's like, what is it like to have overnight success? It's like, no, they've been working on it for 25 years, years. but thanks, you know. But thanks, right? Yeah, it's that same... We don't always have the rest of the story. We don't always have the rest of the story. And so I think if we take even just this at at face value, don't judge, right? Right. Like that there's a lot of wisdom in that, Mm -hmm. in knowing that you don't have the whole story. But Hmm. there's this other part of me that thinks, particularly as a progressive church, Mm -hmm. sometimes we fall into the don't judge to such an extent that we don't think we have any room for improvement. This is a sinkhole. This is a sinkhole. This is, this is a pitfall. Mm-hmm. Because there are some things that are bad, right? There are things that are harmful mm-hmm. that we don't want to fall into. And sometimes the only way that we know that we're engaging in harmful activity mm-hmm. is when somebody says, hey, that hurt. Right. And so we actually need to have critical feedback. So Susan, you and I have been watching The Great British Baking Show. Yes. We're both huge fans of Mary Berry. Yes. I'm a big fan of Sue. <laughs> and really, Nadia is my favorite mm-hmm. uh, ever. But... One of the things that I've noticed watching the show mm-hmm. is that the competitors, first of all, they're all super nice to each other. Oh my gosh, it's so much fun to watch because everybody's for, sort of pleasant. Except for season two with the girl with the side eye. Everybody is pretty nice to each yeah. other. And even then they were still pretty nice to each other. Yeah. I mean, it was they were British mean, which is so understated. Americans don't notice it anyway. Right. Everybody's really nice to each other. The judges always have something positive to say, even if what they're eating is garbage. <laughs> Even if like you're looking at it going, I wouldn't go near it. They would say, it looks like you put a lot of effort into this. Or they would say, mm-hmm. well, it's pretty. It just doesn't taste good. You know, they always yeah. have something positive to say. Uh, and then they give critical feedback. And they give critical feedback not to make you feel terrible about yourself, but to help you improve. And the people who do the best on the show are the, the ones who listen to the judges. And go, oh, I, I hear what you're saying. I have something to learn from that. Mm-hmm. There is some room for improvement here, and I'm going to work on that. Right. And if they get stuck into despair and defensiveness, they're never going to move never on. Never going to move on. It's only when they say, okay, I'm going to absorb that, and I'm going to process it, and I'm going to implement it. Right. I'm going to go home and practice. Actually, yeah. That they actually... I'm going to change how I'm, how I'm viewing this. Yeah, that they improve. 
And so if we think of Lent as this season of self-improvement, mm-hmm. part of that means that we need to be better at accepting intelligent feedback. Because oh, we are not... I don't want to. We're not good at it. We don't, we don't like to be criticized. Nobody no. likes to be criticized. Nope. Nobody likes to be criticized. And nobody, I think, with few exceptions, hello eights, nobody likes to start conflict. Right. Right? No, nobody thinks, today I'm going to get up and make somebody's life miserable. Woohoo! Today I'm going to get up and say the absolute worst thing to ever say to somebody in, you know. Yeah. Everybody's just kind of, I think for the most part, doing the best they can. Mm-hmm. And so we have to be gentle with each other, but we still need intelligent feedback. Can you think right. of a time in your life when somebody told you something about yourself that you really needed to hear? I'm sure there are. I can't think of like a perfect example right now. Right. I remember people whose opinion I trust. Mm-hmm. I know I've been in a situation where they've said something to me and it has that ring of truth. Oh, yeah. Right? Which like, is an uncomfortable moment. Oh, my God. You go, oh. There's one person in a previous con- uh, congregation that I just think of that, like, my predecessor said, you know, this guy and this guy, if they're mad at you, you're in serious trouble. Yeah. Because they're such... Gentle people. Gentle people, but also wise people. Mm -hmm. Like, they're not going to fly off the handle at you. They're going to come in after you have that conversation. Yeah. But there's a good measure. Like, if they're going to give you feedback, you might want to listen. You're going to want to listen. Yeah. And that's important too, right? Sometimes we get feedback that's garbage because people are projecting. Mm-hmm. So you got to be able to discern that. But I think it would be a mistake for us to turn this into never judge and never accept judgment. Oh, yeah. No. Because Jesus goes on in the same chapter to call people pigs and dogs. Right. So Jesus is clearly doing some judging. Right. Jesus is using judgment, which is different than being judgmental. Right. Right. So I sort of, it was a super preachy sermon. It was like Good the, job. Good the job, preachiest Chris. sermon I've ever given. It was like, here are the 10 points of da da da. Anyway, it was eight points. Okay, so eight points. The eight points of how do you do conflict and um, how do you do those conversations yes. of gentle correction. Okay. okay. And so um, the first thing that I told people was no real learning happens without significant relationship. Oh. So a lot of people don't remember what they did in third grade, but they remember the name of their third grade teacher. teacher. Yeah. This is a lesson you learn from the pedagogy of the oppressed. Yes. Right? Which is you have to have a trust built up mm-hmm. before you can hear something from somebody. Right. Nobody wants to get criticism from strangers. So nope. don't criticize strangers. If somebody's doing something that you think is harmful, you can decide if you want to be their friend and work on it with them or if you're going to let it go. Right. But those are your options. Right. Yelling at them over Facebook won't help. Yeah. Responding to people on Twitter, probably not going to help. Sorry, all of my friends who are upset at various political leaders. That's not useful. It's not useful. And it doesn't, yeah. It makes no change at all. It just sets up this competitive sort of dynamic that is not helpful when you're actually trying to make progress. Yep. Because then you just get stuck in this rut of we're going to argue. Yep. So the first thing is you have to have trust. You have to have Mm -hmm. a significant relationship. And if you don't have a significant relationship, move on. And we've all been on the other side of that. Oh, yeah. When somebody somebody that you don't don't know... We don't know, don't trust, tries to tell us how to do something. Yeah. Uh, Tell them exactly what to do with their advice, which is to thank you very kindly for it and let's table it for now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I remember a colleague giving me a newsletter article in my first year in ministry that I had already put in my newsletter, but she thought that I needed to know that I needed to put this in my newsletter. I loved all the really well-meaning people who came up to me at annual conference uh, when I'd been assigned to be an associate pastor, and they said, if you need advice about how to be an associate pastor, and I'd already been an associate pastor for two years under three different seniors, 
Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And at the same time, you clearly don't know me or my experiences. So why would you offer me advice? Exactly. So, So the first one is you have to have a relationship. Yep. The second one is, and this is the one that Jesus really explicitly points out, mm-hmm. is check yourself, Ooh. right? So if there is something in somebody else that is really annoying you, really bugging you, or causing you harm, sometimes the things I'm most critical about in other people are the things that annoy me about myself. Yes. And it's much easier to criticize it in somebody else than to hold up a mirror. And actually do the work. Yeah. And so part of it is, do you Make have a log? Sh- right. Make And make sure what you're talking about is worth it. Yeah. Well, and we're going to get to that. Okay. Sorry. Um, Sorry. No, I didn't mean to jump ahead. You're, no, you're okay. It's a, it's a helpful one. But check your logs. Check your logs. Know what logs are in your own eye. And that doesn't mean you can't have the conversation with them. It means that you approach it differently. Because it's it's different when you say, I think this would be helpful to you, versus saying, I'm really struggling with this thing. And I'm wondering if you have any advice. Exactly. exactly. Right. And then you're in it together. Moving on to the next one. Assume good intentions. Yeah. I know we're not supposed to assume because of the whole donkey thing. Right. Right. But assuming good intentions is mm-hmm. like the number one rule of cross-cultural relations. Mm-hmm. When you don't know the rules and the other people don't know the rules and everybody's just making it up as they go. Right. Assume good intentions. I don't think, like we said, anybody wakes up and says, how can I ruin your day today? Most people, if they're doing something, they're doing it because they haven't realized it's a problem. Mm-hmm. Or they're doing it because it's a side effect of something else. Right. But they have a reason for doing what they're doing. By assuming good intentions, you remove some of the vitriol from your own. And this is one of those things that gets lost in our social media world. Oh, yeah. Because the number of times we've watched something blow up on Twitter or on Facebook because somebody is assuming that there's a bad intention. Right. When it's how it can be read or a mistake in punctuation. It, right. you know, all the things that can happen. Now, there are some people who use Twitter as the flash bomb that, uh, you know, is oh, the, right. detract, the distraction from something else that's going on. But for the most part, if, you, if it's somebody that you know. Right. Like it's your friend. Right? Yeah. Assume that, assume that they have a good reason for doing what they're doing. Yeah. The next one is to approach the issue with empathy. Not this is your problem, but here is this thing in our relationship and I feel this way. Mm-hmm. How do you feel? Empathy is really about sharing the struggle and then listening. So um, when our country was founded, 90% of the people in the country were farmers, which means back in the day, you probably had a pretty good sense of what somebody else's life was like. Yeah. But now we are such a diverse country from so many different backgrounds, so many different industries and fields. Mm -hmm. We have the highest income inequality of any developed nation. There's a pretty good chance you don't know the entirety of somebody else's story. Yeah. Or experience. Mm -hmm. Starting with empathy, starting with listening, is usually the best option. The next one is filter, which you sort of mentioned. Is this even worth talking about? Is it a big thing or a little thing? The don't sweat the petty things and don't pet the sweaty things mantra (laughs) is figuring out your filter. And the filter is also the other phrase I love off the internet is not my monkey, not my circus. Yes, we say that a lot. Right? Is this thing something that is actually within my sphere of influence? Right. You know, it's the fact that, you know, there's this weird conflict going on in my family that has nothing to do with me. Nobody's brought it to me, but I really want to stick my foot into it. Probably not your place. Yeah. Yeah. And I sort of think of filter as like a colander, really. Mm -hmm. Like in the holes are different sizes Mm -hmm. and some colanders work better than others. Yes. Because some of them, the holes are so small that they clog so easily that nothing gets out. 
Right. And other ones, the holes are so big that the food falls through. Right. And so you got to figure out your filter. There are some of us who are less inclined to start conflict or to mm-hmm. engage conflict or conflict avoidant. Mm-hmm. And so our, the holes in our filter are so small, nothing gets through. And so if it does get through, it's got to be something major. But most of the time, we just internalize all of that stuff. Mm. There are other people whose the holes in their filter are too big. Yep, and, and they, they let a lot of things go through and maybe take up more space than they need to. So figuring out that balance of, is this something that's worth engaging is oh, yeah. huge. Yeah. Don't inflate the issues mm-hmm. and don't disguise the issues and pretend like they're not there. Right. But one of the best questions I have is, if I talk to this person, does it break a cycle or is it just a one-off that's going to end up feeling petty? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. Is this something that's actually going to change a dynamic or is it just going to be me being nitpicky? I think that that's a helpful question to figure out your filter. Because if somebody is hurting you, we don't want you to be hurt. Jesus tells us, you know, in the last uh, last chapter about turning the other cheek, right. which means don't don't let somebody else abuse you over and over again. So we don't want to end up in the cycle of abuse, but we do want to decide what's worth confronting and what's not. The next one is a common one. Okay. Offer critiques privately. <sighs> Offer praise publicly. publicly. Hugely important. Nobody likes to feel put on the spot. Nope. Mike Birbiglia just released a new Mm stand-up special called Thank God for Jokes. And I saw it twice when it was on the road. It's so funny. So funny. And now it's on Netflix. So everybody, you know, highly recommend Mike Birbiglia. I have the stained glass window poster in my office. It's the only window in my office is this poster of Mike Birbiglia. He talks about when he was on the Muppets in Canada. Uh Uh-huh. And he got pre-heckled by the old couple in the balcony. He calls them the gay couple in the balcony. (laughs) He got pre-heckled by them. They said, you know, this guy just has a movie out called Sleepwalk With Me. And that's great because we're going to sleep through his show. Right. Or whatever. And then they say, please welcome Mike Birbiglia. And he was so flustered for being (laughs) pre-heckled that he forgot an important thing that he needed with him when he walked on stage. He walked into the middle of the stage, realized that he'd forgotten it, swore and walked off stage to go get it. Which is the Muppets had chosen him because he doesn't swear on stage. Right. (laughs) And so he will probably never work with the Muppets again. You know? Yeah. They were all pretty mad at him about that. It just goes to show you that nobody likes to be called out publicly. Even people who are used to it, like stand-up comics. Right. Nobody likes to be called out publicly. And so if you have something that you need to say to somebody, find a quiet space that is removed from other people. This is also helpful, all of you people out there who like to break up with people in public places. You're terrible. Don't do that. Yeah. Pick someplace private so that people have the freedom to respond. Right. And figure out how Facebook works, please. Oh my gosh, yes. There's a difference between a comment and a Facebook wall post and a direct message. Please learn. Please learn. Please learn. (laughs) Public service announcement 485. (laughs) Uh, The next one is related, but different. Be confidential. Hmm. So if you decide it's something that it's willing to talk, you're willing to talk about with somebody, mm-hmm. don't go and tell your five closest friends that you're going to go talk to this person about it. And when you're done, don't go tell your five closest friends the conversation that you just had. Let it rest. Mm. Confidentiality isn't about keeping secrets, if that's something that bothers you. It's not about keeping secrets. It's about protecting people's dignity. And it's about holding one another's stories properly. Yes, with care. And so, you know, it's about using information wisely, which usually means not using it. Confidentiality, confidentiality, confidentiality. If you have a conflict with somebody, you don't need to advertise. Just go and deal with it. And if you're me, Mm -hmm. or if you have a problem with me, (laughs) don't wait six months to tell me about it. 
Timing. Timing is everything, right? I can't respond unless you've told me I've done something wrong. Yeah. And so you're just borrowing pain at that point. So it's helpful if you can find a good way to say that. Sometimes you need time to process. Yeah. But if you can find a good way to say that, don't wait so long that nothing can be done. Yeah. And finally, if the person that you're talking to doesn't respond positively, then you have to figure out how to set up your own boundaries. Because if they're not willing to break the pattern that is causing you harm, you need to figure out how to avoid the harm. Yep. Sometimes that means you need to not talk to that person anymore. Sometimes it means that you need to set up the criteria under which you will interact with that person. Mm -hmm. Sometimes Sometimes it means that you leave the house. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to figure out what that means for you. But if somebody is going to continue to harm you and you've told them they're harming you and they don't care, then that person is not worth your emotional investment. You need to be protected too. Definitely. So that was the super preachy sermon. It was super preachy, but I like it. Yeah, I think having been in my fair share of conflict in churches and in personal relationships and other things, like there are just some things that are helpful and some things that are not. Conflict is not easy. No, it's never easy. It's never easy. But but why complicate it with triangulation? Right, and subterfuge and and gossip and all of that stuff. Like it's just so much easier if you need to do some confrontation that you're not being judgmental. What you're trying to do is find a solution where everybody, everybody is safe and everybody is growing. And sometimes we actually really need that critical feedback. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, somebody might sometimes be hurting you, you and have no idea. And sometimes you, you just need, you don't have that. There's no way you can get the perspective until somebody points it out to you. Exactly. Exactly. I agree. So that was it. Okay. I like those, you know. Would you add anything? Anything you can think of that I missed? Um... No, I don't think so. I think it's probably a different sermon, but the conversation around boundaries. Oh yeah, that's a huge one. Is is a whole different thing because I think that's one well, of those places. Next week is don't throw your pearls before swine, mm. and so we're going to talk a little bit more about boundaries. Okay, good because I think that's a significant piece of this because I think we use a word that we're not exactly sure what it means because mm-hmm. we think boundaries look one way and I think they actually, in living them out, yeah. are another. So we'll get there next week. We'll Yay. get there next week. Yay! thank you for listening to this episode of the Sunday Morning Sleep-In. If you have a question for us or stories that relate to the topic we've been discussing today, uh, we have an email. Send us our first email at sundaymorningsleepin at gmail.com. First person who sends us an email will send you a $5 gift card at Java Jungle. (laughs) How's that? Uh, I think you're trying to, I think you're trying to get it from your folks. Oh, well, or a $5 gift card to Purple Bean. Purple Bean, either way. There you go. So shoot us an email, sundaymorningsleepin at gmail.com or find us on iTunes, uh, SoundCloud, Google Play, Google, Google yeah, Play. Google Play Music. Google Play Music. The scripture for this podcast was Matthew 7, 1 to 5. If you need to go look that up, you want to look at that a little closer in a different version just to see how it sounds. Mm-hmm. And the theme music you're hearing is Take Me Higher by Jazar traditional at the end of a service for the pastor to give you a blessing and so here is my blessing for you go out and start a fight no (laughs) i'm just kidding um i'm gonna read actually a quote from uh the cover of the bulletin that susan and i did for ash wednesday it's from alessandro pranzato and he says this if you therefore go to the desert to be rid of all the dreadful people and all the awful problems in your life 
you will be wasting your time. You should go to the desert for a total confrontation with yourself. For one goes to the desert to see more and to see better. One goes to the desert especially to take a closer look at the things and people one would rather not see. To face situations one would rather avoid. To answer questions one would rather forget. During the season of Lent, it's really about self-examination. It's about spring training and figuring out how we can become more like the persistently loving person God is calling us to be. And sometimes that means growing together with another person by being honest with them. Every time I do a wedding, I say, uh, may you be gentle with one another so you learn to love, and may you be honest with one another so you learn to love well. Amen. And so may you be honest with one another. May you figure out what are the things that are worth confronting and what are the things that you need to let go of. And may you love every person you meet, even the ones you might not think deserve it, because God thinks they do. Amen? Amen. Amen.